Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, we scrutinize, and we plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from ScottArtis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 55 of Dead Man's Chest. You can't laugh during the opening. People are wondering what the hell's going on. Now you have to fill them in. That Banjo, the idiot dog, decides, hey, I'm going to grumble while they start the opener. So I'm doing it and he's just all... Like he's some kind of mastodon thing. Seriously. He doesn't... He Whenever it comes into this room... Then it's the need to make all kinds of noises. I don't know what their deal is. It's like they're recording. Let's pretend like we don't really know what that means. And we'll just make a lot of noise. We've already learned we have to remove the collars because they're too tinkly. Jingly. <laughs> tinkly. <laughs> Tinkly's a whole other problem. Yes. They don't have that though. No. <laughs> but I was really laughing at your reaction to Banjo's noises. That's because it's like, what the hell? Are you serious, man? Of all the times you could do that, as soon as I'm ready to go, it doesn't even make sense to me. So what does make sense to me? In the previous minute, Tia Dalma gives Will a bit of finger play, touching and rubbing, and tops off the foreplay with a lascivious smile. Then there's a smattering about tragic love, the usual, you know, when a woman's involved, especially when we get Tia Dalma's updated and oh-so-current description of the modern female. Let me break it down for you. It was a woman, as changing and harsh and untamable as the sea. But the pain it caused him was too much to live with, but not enough to cause him to die. Hey, don't shoot the messenger, ladies. (laughs) That's straight from the mouth of Tia Dalma. And that's not my personal view. Good thing they can't see eye rolls right now. Shifty (laughs) eyes. Because it's a radio thing. Hot Minute 55 begins with Tia Dalma continuing. It was not worth feeling what small, fleeting joy life begins. He decided to endure the inevitable, cruel torments. And so he carved out his heart. The minute ends with Tia Dalma unwrapping Captain Jack Sparrow's hand to reveal the black spot. Gibbs exclaims, the black spot, and performs a bit of an <laughs> ad hoc incantation. Pintel and Rigetti follow suit, the black spot, the black spot, and participate in the charm. Jack begins to speak and let's just say, dot, dot, dot. I'm going to start that, that incantation. I don't know what it was. It was like a reverse incantation. So when someone says my name, you're going to do that? No, we go every time I see you. Scott, Scott. Really? Yeah. <laughs> See, you did it in here. You rumbled everything up. People are going, what, did she drop something? They obviously knew because they watched the minute. We talked a bit about the black spot when good old boy Bootstrap blessed Captain Jack Sparrow with the mark. 
the whole literary device created by Robert Louis Stevenson. We went into all the history of that, so I don't think there's any need to tackle it again unless we just repeat that show. <laughs> People are like, oh, damn, that's just, deja vu. That's weird. Just cut and paste. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it'll, now we're going to wait, <laughs> go, dub it in, and then we can dub it out. And we, and that Boy, that would be nice. <laughs> but I do have some thoughts on that nasty amorphous blob swirling around it on his palm. It looks like it's like growing or something, right? I don't know what the hell's going on there, but it's not good. It's nasty. Yeah. No wonder he covers it up. The Pirate's Wikia likens it to a bubonic plague-like lesion. Huh. Which, if everybody remembers, bubonic plague is one of my top favorite diseases. Scientific name, if we will. The Yersinia pestis. Hey, come on. Yersinia pestis? That takes the cake as far as diseases go. <laughs> But having that on your hand, it's not good. And I see it more like this puffy nastiness is what it is. It looks like that. Okay, here you go. Now this is what I'm thinking of it. Now picture the black spot and I'm going to paint this picture for you. It's that giant creature that becomes the supervillain at the end of evolution. You know, the D- David Duchovny, Sean William Scott movie. Oh, yeah. There's that Where giant blob creature. Into his hole. Yeah, with its cloaca. <laughs> that thing. <laughs> Where they have to pump the <laughs> salsen blue into the hole? They have to yeah, put it was all that... dandruff shampoo. What did I just say? Yeah, I always remember what salsen blue was. Anyways, they have to pump it into this weird blob-like thing that was growing. Yeah. That's it. That's what I see when I see the black spot on Jack's hand. Well, I can't say I blame Gibbs and Pintel and Rigetti for doing their little jig because I wouldn't want that thing on my hand. Nobody wants that on their hand. <laughs> and hopefully Jack is right-handed and not left. So he doesn't have to use that thing? Yeah. I don't know. Because you don't yeah. want that sucker spread. And I mean, look at that thing. It looks like it's spreadable. Does it look like? Yeah, it does look like it's spreadable. And I'd have that thing wrapped up a little bit better than he did. At least he wrapped it. At least he wrapped it. But I'd have that thing almost in mummification going on there. <laughs> Seriously, that thing is just gross. They couldn't do just a pirate black spot kind of thing. They actually had to make this thing a living, nasty entity on his hand. Yeah, and it looks like it's living. It does. I made a miniature list of my favorite things from this minute, too, because we were talking about the black spot, the amorphous black spot thing. I'm going to see how many times I can re-describe this thing. Okay, prepare to be a mate. Well, okay, I almost oversold that. Just... Prepare for the list, I guess. There's no amazement here. This ought to be interesting. No, it's not. It's good. It's good. I, I understand. I'm sure you got a whole bunch of different descriptions for this black spot. No. So you probably weren't following along. I said, actually had a list of my favorite things. And that's not my favorite things. It's the black spot. <laughs> like the names of the black spot. It's on the list, but I'm not going to repeat it now. See, look, you just created a Jack Sparrow word salad for no reason. <laughs> Anyways, my list. The camera work in this minute is just great. It's nothing necessarily spectacular. I mean, it's not like innovative camera work, but the use of kind of the easing in on the characters, it really accentuates Tia Dalma's storytelling as well, as well as Gibbs, Pintel, and Rigetti, who are like listening very intently to her story. Yeah. It adds to the power of the moment, as well as the legend itself of Davy Jones. Yeah, Gibbs have heard of it before. Pintel and Rigetti, maybe not so much. Yeah. But they're listening like this is the greatest story ever told because it also has a spooky factor with it. And that's why they're like listening intently with this. And that's what I like about it. I just like the camera work, how they kind of start to zoom in very slightly, this slow zoom right onto the characters' faces. Yeah. 
Another one on my list is Gibbs Counter Charm to the Black Spot. You started to talk about it? Yeah. I mean, it's simply perfect, and it's like perfect for the moment. A super, okay, let's say a super superstitious guy. He does it so naturally, and it's like characteristic of Gibbs. That's what I like about it. And you're not expecting it. Yeah. We've seen him do other things and talk about superstitions, but now he's actually trying to counteract one. But again, the black spot is like the worst thing a pirate could get. Right. As far as he's concerned. I like Gorgetti's reaction to Davy Jones carving out his heart. Is this your list or is this my list? I needed to add something. Okay. What do you got? I just said I like his reaction. Yeah, he's he like gets, holding his chest like... Because he's feeling it now. Oh, yeah. So he's feeling the Davy Jones pain right there. Yeah. Because they're so into the story with Tia Dalma. She's selling this. Oh, yeah. Of course. I want her to sell something. She just <laughs> needs to be out there selling stuff. People be so listening intently and then they're like, okay, we got to get that. She's selling cars. She's selling whatever comes. <laughs> Next one on my list, since you already mentioned Rigetti, is actually the fact that We'll just say Gibbs minions here, Pintel and Rigetti. They join in on the incantation. Yeah. The reverse the curse or counteract the curse of the black spot. But that plays off their uneasiness. And, you know, it's like, hell, if, if anyone knows how to counteract a curse, that'd be Gibbs. So <laughs> we better join in. Otherwise, we'd be sorry. Yeah. We might as well do it. It better doesn't hurt to sorry. turn around yeah. and spit. <laughs> Brush off your chest, too. Yeah. Well, come on. He got the heebie-jeebies there when he saw that. And I think anybody in that room would see that. They'd be like, oh, Jesus. The automatic reaction is to try and brush it off because you don't want any particles floating around. It's like mold. You're not sure if that just sprouts and shoots little particles into the, you know, spores. Shoots spores into the air. You don't want any of the spores Exactly, yeah. Black spot spores you don't want. You know, I'm surprised Tia Dalma didn't tell him to wrap it back up right away and then give him extra wrapping to wrap it with. Well, she she can counteract that. She's okay with it. She's like uh, immune to that. But anybody else, you get a little spore action on you and then it's growing. And that's why Gibbs is brushing it off. He doesn't want that. <laughs> and I have to mention the acting. There's not much real dialogue in this particular part of the minute. A little bit. But the acting, that... The entire cast on set for this minute of Chief is really nice. There's listening intently, the heebie-jeebies from Gib. <laughs> Gibbs, not Gib. The realization Jack deceived Will. It all works with the moving parts. And as I said, things go from listening to accusations to Jack backpedaling a bit. And I think it all comes together rather nicely. Yeah. All their emotions. You can just see what's going on on their faces. And this brings me to the end of my list. Perhaps the greatest subtle joke, maybe I'm overselling again. Okay, maybe it's just an inadvertent mark for Johnny and Orlando. Either way, when Will pops up to confront Jack that Jar? he maybe knew something was going on yeah. or with Davy Jones or where the key was. Yeah, that hanging voodoo jar becomes the scene's <laughs> like third wheel. If there right? was ever a third wheel in the scene, it's that damn jar. <laughs> At one point in time, you see uh, Will... Actually kind of back up some with his head, like, so he'd not be hit by the damn jar. Yeah, it's spot on between them. It's like gently swinging. Enough that Will has to, like you said, slightly move to avoid it. And then Jack, I think, even moves slightly as yeah. well. And I love this. I can imagine, like, the outtakes with one of these things. You know somebody got hit with this thing. Or they hit it. Hit their head on it when it's That's swinging about. That's why it's swinging. Yeah. It happened. I know it must have. Had to. I need to check out the bloopers and see if that ever got 
some yeah. play on there if they ever shot that. But it's right there. And how it's you're, like annoying, right? It's an annoying third wheel jar. Yeah, and you got this jar swinging between the both of you. And you're trying not to be hit by it. You know that they were busting up afterwards. <laughs> After that scene, they just had to have busted up yeah. because it's right there when they're trying to act, and it's like. Right in there. God dang it. It'd be right in your vision. It'd be like a bug flying around. you got to get that out of there. That was the best part. That was the takeaway for yeah. me. I mean, I love the dance with Gibbs. But the jar And the rest was, of them. Uh... But the jar, the so subtle thing. I don't know if that was on purpose or if it was done inadvertently. It or almost... maybe the prop or set decorator is like, you know what? I'm going to put this right here by their mark and it'll just bug the crap out of them. It was like it wasn't supposed to happen because of the way they both kind of slyly moved out of the way just slightly. Or that, or they've already done this scene five times with this thing hitting them and they've learned to kind of move with it. Yeah. Now they have like a rocking motion <laughs> that just, matches it. It's like they're still on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> or the ship. Excuse me. Yeah, ship. Or boat, long boat. But yeah, I think that's it. They've either gotten used to it or they're just that good when it comes to it. Like, oh, it's late. We want to get the hell out of here for the day. Let's just keep powering through. I kind of like it when Jack... So you're hijacking my list? Yeah. Even though my list is done, you're going to add on to it? Yeah, I'm going to add on. So when Tia Dolma asked Jack to see his hand... Yeah? He goes to hand her the the wrong hand, basically. And she gives him that look that only a woman could give. Arr! That frightening look. And he knows. Oh, I better not do that. Yeah, he that's what I liked about hand. that. It, she didn't have to say anything. I don't it know. was the look. And then Jack was able to go, why did I even try that? Yeah, yeah. She's too smart for that. Why did I even go down that road? You can't go do that with women. You know what oh, we're talking you about. you can do that with women, no. but just no, not her. No, no, no. You know what we're talking about. You can't pretend you don't. I pretend all the time. I know. And you get in trouble for it, too. You get the look. I get the look in the studio every dang show, practically. Well. This one, I've been rather good so far. (laughs) Until now. (laughs) Since you brought up Tia Dalma, this is like the perfect time for me to jump into, hell, let's just say some history. Let's say heart carving history. Doesn't everybody want to hear some heart-carving history? Oh, yes, of course. Theodolma's talking about Davy Jones, how he can't stand it kind of thing, so he carves out his own heart, you know, and then it's all placed in the chest of dead man, dead man's chest, the dead, the chest of, the hell, dead man's chest, but, oh, it's the key to dead man's chest, the key to the dead man, oh my god. Yeah, no. Give me some rum, quick! (laughs) Anyways, that weird trunk-like thing. The chest? Yeah, the chest. The chest of a dead man. The chest of a dead man. No, that doesn't sound right either. As I was sitting here, like, pondering the glorious feeling of having my heart cut out, you know, from my chest. Thanks for the warm and fuzzies, actually, Miss Dalma. I think to myself, what kind of wonderful tradition might this have been in history? And only somebody with maybe some depravity would go, hey, they mentioned heart carving in the dead man's chest. Guess what? I should look that up. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I did. It's a weirdo. So sure enough, heart burials. Yes, this is a thing. European royalty once bequeathed their actual hearts cut from their corpses to places they cared for. Heart burial had its high point of fashion. That's right. I said a high point of fashion. Let's just say that again. A high point of fashion in the 12th and 13th centuries. Okay, what's with the morbidity of the Middle Ages? 
I've no clue. Hey, just watch some horror movies like everybody else these days. Nope. Let's do heart burials. But this thing is, it still continues as a romantic funeral tradition to this day. Really? Yes. Maybe that's actually our next contest. One lucky listener may just get my heart one day down the road. FedEx rolls up. Hey, Spencer, you're going to need to sign for that. <laughs> oh, sorry, Doug. I promised Spencer a contest win last season. <laughs> and that's what he's going to get. He gets my heart. When I die, uh, we'll cut out my heart and Poor send it Spencer. to him. Yeah. There you go, Spencer. Congratulations. Lovely. He's the uh, latest winner on the Black Pearl <laughs> Show. Pirates of the Caribbean winner. Anyways. This trend of heart burial coincided with Middle Ages military campaigns like the Crusades, where people journeying far from home, and let's be honest, often dying there, rather than send the whole body back, sometimes just the deceased heart was transported, preserved in lead or ivory boxes or something like that, often with spices to keep it from smelling too much. Hmm. Yeah. Let me state the obvious here. Of course the tradition became the heart. Let's just say that. Or they could have went with the big toe or whatever. You needed something small. No one in their right 12th or 13th century minds wanted to drag a giant body hundreds or thousands of miles back to their homeland. No refrigeration trucks here. just ahead? And now you've gone too far. <laughs> That's too far. That's really more Really? Than, yeah, you should take that back. <laughs> At least then you could still see the person. <laughs> So, those long horseback journeys or you're in the cart, you could at least have a head to talk to. Exactly. Head. <laughs> head. Kids got a virtual planetoid there. Oh, that was a poor Scottish act. That it was. God, I can't bad. It. Yeah, that was like weird alien thing. The big giant head or something. What the hell? I can't think of it. So I married an axe murder. Oh. I've quoted that before on the show. Now I can't even think of it. And I gave the poorest rendition of a Scottish accent ever recorded. I might even have to cut that out. It's it was really so bad. Sad. You may just have to put the real thing I was in so there. focused on the words <laughs> that I couldn't even concentrate on an accent. But yeah, back to where we were. Dragging bodies, not a good idea. No. Dragging hearts, better. Better than heads, though. Are you sure? Well, they thought they needed spices for a heart. They'd need a dump truck full of spices to mask the decomp odor of a bunch of bodies on a wagon. So that's probably what happened. They're all, this is the last time we're dragging a bunch of bodies home. Because after that first one, yeah. One genius was sitting there going, hey, do you think the heart will do? Let's tell his family it was because he loved them so much. Yeah, that's romantic. We'll <laughs> use that one. Because they didn't want to do that. That's just disgusting. And then they're like, hey... What would be a good 12th or 13th century name? I can't see. I'm blanking on everything now. I was going to say Clem, but that's not Clem. really. John? Henry. Henry? John. 12th or 13th century. Anyways. Yeah. I forgot where I was going. Hey, John. Hey, John. Uh, I have no clue. Something about a head or a heart. You know what's the sad part? I completely lost my train of thought trying to come up with a 12th and 13th century name. Well, I told you not to put... Rum in your Thai iced tea before yeah. you start the show. Yeah, this episode brought to you by Thai Kitchen. <laughs> Haven't we? They've sponsored us before. Maybe. Damn it, I can't believe I forgot where I was going with that. It's the rum. Yeah, that's crazy. What was John going to be told? Hey, John. <laughs> Want to carry my heart with you? Yeah. To town? It was a genius idea. Take your heart. See, the whole bit just got destroyed because <laughs> yeah. I lost it. It was it's like a wah, wah, wah. <laughs> it was trying to find that name, that perfect yeah, why name. why did I... 
Instead of Clem. If Maybe I, you need to put in Clem again and then think about Clem, it. If I just then it would have rolled out and I wouldn't be struggling. Now it's like trying to come up with it. That's where all my focus went. My midichlorians went to that. And then I completely lost the rest of the whole idea that I was having. And you just lost all faithful Star Wars fans by saying those words. That's why I said it here because the midichlorians failed me. <laughs> midichlorians let's not get started on that okay but according to their logic and now we're getting serious again 12th and 13th century style logic here you tended to get more prayers and venerations when you were split up you know cut up because then they wanted that because one you would have to pray for the body but then they would also have prayers and things for the heart so it was like double. And then the head. And then the head because they're all and then the arms. cut up. They're <laughs> obviously drawn and quartered and cut up and all that kind of stuff. You know, and, and religious people would know this well because, because you know, like from relics of saints and things where they have body parts entombed elsewhere, if you will. Okay. That's why. Oh, okay. But then occasionally hearts were even buried in miniature, because I say miniature. Miniature. Miniature effigy showing like, for instance... Tiny knights in full armor. Tiny knights. It just sounds so cute. <laughs> What's in that tiny knight of armor? A heart. Oh, a heart. Yeah. So a little so tiny knight. what do you... Well, the heart's bigger than that. It's, I mean, it's got to be bigger than three inches well, tall. I, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's awful small heart. There. I'm sorry. Because I, a three inch tall knight would have to be like and you're saying an that? inch or two wide. I don't think a heart could fit in there. See, first of all, you didn't describe what happened and you just left everybody out because you failed to understand that this is a audio podcast. But because I moved my fingers for like a tiny knight, like showing tiny, <laughs> Heather then starts talking about it and you guys are going, what the hell is she talking about? Three inches. You didn't say anything about three inches. No. See? You better get on board. It's like, it's like the size of a little um, G.I. Joe man. Action figure. Action figure. Thank How dare you. you. A little one, not the six inchers or twelve inchers. The little seven five. There you go. They don't... That's a tiny heart. That's like a. Come on, we're that's... not talking that. We are talking a tiny. I don't knight... think a chicken oh. heart could even fit in there. I. That's not. That was just. Me moving my hands when I speak. It wasn't like actually showing you how big a freaking tiny oh. knight's outfit was. <laughs> so, what do you display this tiny knight in your house for all to smell? <laughs> yeah, for all to smell. <laughs> I don't think it was actually in people's houses, but I don't know. Huh. Maybe. Or maybe it was actually those who were worthy of that kind of burial. Maybe it's in some places. I have no idea where they displayed it. I decided I didn't really need to dive down that deep in the rabbit hole. Because instead, I decided to go elsewhere. And according to Claire Giddings and Peter Jupp's Death in England and Illustrated History, it's possible that some small monuments traditionally claimed to be the tombs of children are in fact heart monuments. Oh, really? Yeah. So when they say that it was a child maybe buried here or something, it yeah. could actually be a heart monument instead. Because it's a small. It's small. Huh. small. But here's my takeaway from that whole thing. The book title, Death in England, an Illustrated History. <laughs> yeah. What in the bloody hell is that? Seriously. Hey, kids, <laughs> bedtime. Let's read a story. Clem's coming over. The Illustrated History of Death. I mean, is it me or do we have a fetish with death? You do. Is this the 12th century? And I don't know it. After Henry I's death in Normandy in 1135, everybody knew that, right? Yeah. From none other than eating poisonous eels. He's like, hey, I ordered the Unagi. Yeah. Oh, sorry, buddy. 
His heart was sewn into the hide of a bull for preservation and transported back to England to be buried, while the rest of him was interred where it was. It was a heart carver. The heart of England's Richard I, whose nickname is... Dick. Walk the plank. (laughs) 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 He says nickname. It's a nickname for Richard. Lionheart. Lionheart. (laughs) Richard I. I don't even know what to say. History goes right over your head. Anyways, Richard the Lionheart, maybe you've heard, is rumored to have come from his ripping out and consuming the heart of a lion to acquire his courage. Okay, anyways. He had his legendary, let's just say, a cardiac muscle. uh, Another name for heart. Buried separately from his other remains. So, see, this is just something that happens. In the past. Pierre de Coubertin, he died in 1937 and was the founder of the International Olympic Committee. He had his heart interred in Olympia, Greece. That's 1937. In the rings? Not in the rings. What are you talking about? Get the hell out of here. (laughs) In 2011, the heart of Archduke of Austria and Royal Prince of Hungary, Otto von Habsburg, was buried in a silver urn in Hungary's Benedictine Abbey while his body remained in Vienna. This 2011, they're still doing heart cuttings. That's weird. And heart really? Burials. Yes. Wow. That's what I'm Why? saying. It's weird. Actually, from what they were saying is because his heart belonged to one area, but he didn't want to forget Vienna and that kind of stuff. So he wanted to be buried in two separate places. Huh. It's weird, though. It's strange. That's what I'm saying. Spencer's our lucky winner. <laughs> he can do what he needs to do you with get that your heart. heart. Yeah. The only difference I see between this and like Davy Jones is apparently he's still living after being separated from his heart. There we go. That's the he's difference. He's a mystic creature. Yeah. If it was his soul, I'd say Dead Man's Chest was a Horcrux and Davy Jones was Voldemort. <laughs> That's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Right? It yeah. is. But it's the heart. Yeah. Not the soul. Not that I want to disparage Davy Jones. You know, he was a good singer. Who doesn't like Daydream Believer? Daydream Believer. No. No singing. Uh... That's my oh, job anyway. Homecoming queen. That's my department anyways. And everyone is now thinking, oh man, we're going to go out monkey style? Yep. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. <laughs> no, you're wrong. Because, well, we're going to go out Titanic style. Why? Why? Oh, because of the heart Yeah, of it's the about ocean. time you get on. Heart of the ocean. I don't know. The heart of... Is that what that was called? What is it called? The heart. The heart of the sea? The... Heart of the sea was that it. Chris Hemsworth movie about Moby Dick. Heart. Moby the Lionheart. It's My Heart Will Go On Anyways by Celine Dion. Heart of the Ocean. Oh, yeah. I got it right. Jewel was the Heart of the Ocean. Yep. Oh, well, there you go. That old lady that threw it overboard. How dare she? That's not pirate-like. Anyways, yeah. So we're going to go out Celine Dion style. Because she's... when Okay. When you think of pirates, you think of Celine Dion. When you think of pirate music, you think My Heart Will Go On. And that's why we're going to treat everyone to... A little Titanic action. (laughs) We'll be back on Friday with Minute 56 of Dead Man's Chest. Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum and don't hold the song against us.
You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.